Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to the second episode of September. Uh, this is, you know, uh, Alex and I last week, you if you were with us, you heard him talk a little bit about his Zada deck, and we teased that I would be uh, doing a goblin deck myself that we were going to talk about, and kind of another goblin profile. Uh, before we kind of started with just uh, the actual episode, I just want to kind of do a couple of housekeeping things. So... Uh, biggest reminder, September is Suicide Awareness Month or Suicide Prevention Month. So kind of one of these things is all of our show notes, we, for over a year now, have included the numbers to crisis lines, warm lines, places that people can turn to for help. And just kind of similar to what we did in May, September is another month that really is tied to, to mental health awareness, especially that aspect of, of suicide and suicidal thoughts and ideation and plan. And we've kind of talked about what that means um back uh, with chase and kind of looking at gideon so if you want to go back the those episodes we did have a content warning on because they very explicitly talk about this subject in some ways because the topic needs to be discussed and talked about openly and there's a lot of stigma around doing that so just want to kind of remind people that september is suicide awareness and prevention month uh, the second thing I want to do is just kind of give a shout out to the gob- uh, to the grinding coffee company. So our allies and our our friends there um, that run a great LGBT minority led coffee company, uh, and I'm biased because they make good coffee. So I mean it's it's a great partnership for us. Um, but we always just want to thank them as kind of we do at the beginning of, of every episode. Mm-hmm. And then one other uh, quick shout out for now something that's new. Pretty new to us, um, and you know we're just posting episodes again with after our break in August. But uh, Goblin Lore has joined uh, the Fireside Alliance, which is a uh, independent media network and a progressive community of progressive communities. Uh, just found at firesidealliance.com. Um, just a, a number of, of good communities online who foster similar um, communities that, that w- what we want to do. They want to talk about mental health. They want to have a good, a nice place on the internet for people to have good conversations in, in a safe environment where, you know, sometimes the internet is not a very safe place and just want to make a nice place for people to hang out. And yeah, we, if you go to the, if you go to the uh, Fireside Alliance um You'll be able to see a lot of kind of podcasts. The, they have a Discord that is active. It is just kind of a, a new up and running um, group uh, getting together. And they, they were kind enough to uh, have us join, um, which is something that we we actually sought out specifically because yeah. we thought that we this would be a good fit for us and um, give us some more like-minded podcasts to point people to. Yep, absolutely. And and a lot of various um, um interests and things. I know um, there's some movies things. There's a bunch of other stuff in here. We are actually the the only magic podcast who are, who are part of this, at least right now. So it's, yes. it's, if you're, especially if you're interested in, in other things beyond just magic fandom, it's a pop, pop culture things. Go. Usually. I mean, it's mainly yeah, books, movies, stuff. comics. So yeah, we, we, we are the first magic group. So yeah. yeah. Um, so last week, as we said, uh, so we, we kind of are going to introduce ourselves. I guess we we could do that, given that there is potential always <laughs> that know. we have new people. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, hopefully, I mean, like yes. It's, well, yeah, know. and you know, we we took a break. We're kind of getting back into the podcasting thing. We're remembering how to do this, so you know, we also like to ignore the fact that maybe people started picking it up and just kind of ignore that piece. So you know, yeah. sometimes it's easier for us if we don't think about it. But um, I am Hobbs Q. I can be found on Twitter at HobbsQ. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter at Mel underscore Chronicler. And my pronouns are he, him. So last week we covered Zada. And, um, you know, Alex had mentioned that I was going to get, kind of did some teasing, a little saying, whoa, what what deck is Hobbs going to yeah. do? And, well, and, and, and if you don't mind, if yeah, you don't mind Hobbs, I'm going to hop in and, and milk this just a little bit more. Okay. And, and push this just because this is something that is... a different than what we've done before and if you listen to the last episode you'll you'll have heard this whole spiel but i just i want to throw this out there just in case someone didn't listen to the zada episode um normally we don't generally we don't talk a lot about the game of magic itself too much and not because we don't play or we don't care about it but more just because lots of people do that and we've found there's some very specific things mental health things community stuff that we want to focus ourselves on that tend not to be taught you know in in many other places but this um for these two episodes 
we really wanted to do some goblin profiles. Again, it's a thing we did a long time ago. We did Squee fairly recently within the last couple months, and we're trying to get back to these. But unfortunately, there's two goblins that Hobbs and I have decks around that we love, that there's cool stories. For me, it was Zada, but they just don't have a lot of story. So we talked about it. We decided to try to do episodes like this where we, we talk about what story we have and some, some community stuff there. And then we talk about the decks, but then we also kind of talk about the story of the decks because both Zada, my Zada deck and the Hobbs's deck that he's going to talk about today have some really cool community-related focused stories around them. And so hope, hoping these, these are good, but it is kind of different for us. So if you have feedback, please let us know. You completely ruined the fact that I was going to just like try to play off that, that <laughs> I, mine was actually just another Zada deck. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Hobbs. That's okay. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll cope with it because we kind of made a joke about that last time. And it, it is not true. It is, it is not anywhere near a Zada deck. Um, it is a Goblin deck. So we need a kind of question um, and, you know, kind of try to rack my brain around this kind of like Alex had given us a very good one when it came to Zada because Zada is a as a character that lets you target and then get tons of copies of spells and we talked about you know what would you want to target all your friends with um we're going to be talking today about Grenzo but because I couldn't come up with a good question with that I am going to just do a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be talking about and ask what is one card that you would love to have an artist proof of. And we're not going to actually describe what an artist proof is yet. But I just want to know, Alex, what is one card that if you could have a card of an artist proof, what would it be? Okay. See, and this is a thing I'll say. I'm going to answer this question sideways like I generally do. Um, <laughs> the artist proof world is something that I find interesting, but I'm entirely outside of it. And that's why I was looking forward to, to this episode. And the listeners will find out more as we you know once we stop talking about what we're going to talk about i'm purposefully trying to kind of just like bring up your anxiety by (laughs) by using a question that specifically is about a term and not defining what that term is for people who don't know oh there's that whole thing too yes we will explain what that is but i'm gonna like i said i'm gonna step sideways and and talk a little bit well i'll just say something from christopher rush he is he's my favorite author from when I started Magic back in '94, fortunately uh, he's no longer with us. Um, but he, I loved his work back then. He was my favorite author or favorite artist from for Magic. And while I have not gotten an artist proof of of a card of his, and I'm, I'm honestly I haven't even looked into it. I'm not sure what um, what how feasible that would be for me right now. I do have a couple signed cards from him that I, I'm very lucky to have. One of which was. I got at the at an event that he was at because I did a Ice Age Cold Snap sealed event at uh, I think it was GP Orlando 2014, and Christopher Rush just happened to be there, and I got Malachite Talisman or some random artifact from Ice Age, and I just noticed like oh Christopher Rush did this art, and he's like over there, so it just in between rounds I ran over there and had him sign the card, and so I, that is the closest thing I think to artist proof stuff that I have right now, but why don't you go ahead and, and, and actually hit us up with the, you know, actually answering the question. So it's kind of, it was kind of funny. Um, so the kind of what you had mentioned there was something that, um, about Christopher Rush, it, it's, it, is an artist that is no longer with us. And actually along those lines, um, that would probably be where my, where I would lie there, there are some magic artists, especially goblin magic artists who have done some amazing pieces that I would love that, that sadly um, died younger. Um, so Quentin Hoover and Wayne, um, uh, Wayne uh, England are two that come to mind. And Wayne England did Brightstone Ritual, uh, which is red add a mana for each goblin in play. And it's such a fantastically cool, like designed card for 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 a goblin deck and for the goblin kind of world um and you know being able to like you said i'm now kind of going off the rails a little bit by talking around because i want to wait but i'll just going to go with that something by either quentin hoover or um uh wayne england and the quentin hoover i probably would want to go with goblin tutor which is an uncard and it's just such a fantastic uncard. Um, 
Yeah. Basically, it is a, I mean, being from an unset, it is a set that it lets you tutor for goblins. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things, but it, it flat out is, um, it's you have to roll a die. And so that's something that we didn't used to see in magic mm-hmm. outside of the silver bordered world until recently. Um, but what happens is you roll a six sided die, and if you get a one, it does nothing. Otherwise, you get to two, you, you can search for another copy of it, which means that one and two basically do nothing in EDH. Yep. Uh, number three is an enchantment. Four is an artifact. Five is a creature. And six is any sorcery, instant, or interrupt. So it, similar to Gamble, where you get to search for a card and then discard a card at random, Goblin mm-hmm. Tutor is a, you, I mean, in, in EDH, we're talking you have a, you know, a one in three chance of having no effect. <laughs> yep. So. entirely and then the other you know the other four and three well four and six are all ran are all different card types so you can't even if you do get something out of it you can't really plan what you're gonna do oh no yeah you just have to go in kind of you have to go in kind of blind and that's why i love it it yep. feels very it, it is it is a epitome of a goblin card yep and um it's kind of funny. It's one of those things I think about the fact that, you know, it was silver bordered. Now it could be a blackboard card a little bit more easily. They yeah. had kind of removed die rolling and was always in a silver bordered world. Um, yep. And things change. One of the things that we love, you and I love talking about with unsets. Yes. Is, is how things can change and maybe how mechanics are tested. And um, we've even seen it with things like mutate when they had kind of like the, the character, the creatures that you could pair together. Similar mm-hmm. idea that then grew into a mutate mechanic. Well, this is cool. Yep. So anyway, the deck we're going to talk about, or the goblin we're going to talk about today is Grenzo. So Grenzo is a uh, goblin that we see in the plane of Fiora, which is the plane that is associated with the conspiracy sets. So really, uh, if people have not had a chance to play them. Really cool. Oh. Meant to be drafted as multiplayer so kind of even before, not a commander legends type thing, but they were meant to be kind of like, there's effects that care about number of opponents that you're playing. There's, it's a really cool kind of I, idea. Yeah. I, I loved those two sets. The first set, you know, had like white red had a defender strategy because, which was really interesting to see rather than red, you know, white red just being aggro, which is mm-hmm. what you get in basically every limited draft format. But when you're, you're drafting to play in three and four person games an aggro deck just doesn't really work no so no. they found something else and they put in some like a couple different ways where you can do damage with your your creatures with defender either by make giving them the ability to attack or vent sentinels where you hit someone for equal to your total creatures with defender like there was just a few like cool interesting ways to do stuff and and other color combinations had some different types of strategies too that one was the most stark because they, they had to do something different, which was cool. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so I love those two sets. They were really cool sets to kind of, you know, try to open up multiplayer limited. Um, so Fiora is the birth plane of Dak Faden and Doretti. So that is where, you know, it's first seen in one of actually the comics. That's where, but this is where Dak is from. Mm-hmm. And this is where Doretti is uh, from. And there, you know, there is a version of Doretti that we see here on this plane um, before we kind of see uh, Doretti later in um, uh, in my mind on uh, Kaladesh. So basically it is all about trying to take the throne. We even get this really cool mechanic of the monarchy and Queen Marchesa is in this set. Uh, in this, uh, um, sorry, Grenzo is a dungeon warden. He's basically in charge of the of the he's you know he's a scheming goblin, um, but there's actually is he has he's like a hunched over grizzled looking old man kind of goblin. Um, so he basically his entire time the, the the mainly there's this the high city of Pagliano. Um, he is in charge of the. Uh, the dungeons. Um, and unfortunately he, well, it was not unfortunately what he had done and he had created a network of power through his knowledge and kind of the labyrinth sewers. So he kind of had like a key to every lock, which is just kind of a cool thing. Like 
the, the quote being, and I think this is, if, it, if I remember rightly, this is from uh, the story Blood Will Have Blood. So there are a couple of stories. So unlike last week when we talked with Zada, where there was basically one, there's actually three or four stories across the two conspiracies that give us a little bit of background. But there still isn't a ton. But this this quote is, he has a key to every lock, a blade for every job, and not a shred of scruples. Um <laughs> He, I mean, it's really about mercenary. Uh, so he, uh, so the elf Salvala kills King Brago. So that kind of is what sets off kind of this this fight for the throne. Um, Grenzo releases her from the dungeons um, to try to kill Muzio, who is an artificer. Um, uh, and also, this is somebody that Doretti has kind of a, uh, well, Muzio is a former pupil of goblin artificer Doretti. And so... Yeah, that's neither here nor there. But basically, Grenzo wanted to rid the city of artifact creatures. Unfortunately, Savala then just like released the constructs into the tunnels. When Marchesa becomes queen, she fires Grenzo as a dungeon keeper. Once he's put out on the street, he becomes the leader of a thieving gang of goblins and incites mobs to violence. I feel like him and Krenko would probably get along really well. <laughs> yeah I, th- I think so i mean like this is what i mean it's really funny because like his second card so his his second card is he's a havoc razor and it literally just kind of shows him it's like there's goblins swinging and chandeliers he's kind of pilfering his yeah. abilities are really cool you can goad creatures you can just like force creatures to want to attack not you yes which um, is another because this was in conspiracy you get to have some interesting multiplayer mechanics like that yep. so goad literally is Target creature must attack, but can't attack you. Or, yes. I don't know exactly how the wording, but that's how oh, it, it works it, functionally. If able. Like, if yeah, you're the last one, if it's down to the just the two of you, it doesn't matter. They can still attack you. But yes. Yeah, um, yeah. so it, it's, it's a great way to sort of, you know, raise havoc at the table, but also kind of cause action to happen. You can force yeah. someone to attack, and it doesn't necessarily come back to hit you immediately. I mean, like, that no. can. They're gonna. They may come after you, but you're also putting people into the, the nice part about the mechanic is they have to. Yeah, it's not like to. if they want to attack, it has to be somebody. They have to attack. So yes. it's kind of a really cool way to kind of like you said, if you're able to get some damage in or get some unblocked yeah. creatures in, and this is whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player. So mm-hmm. in a goblin deck, that's a go wide strategy. If you can get a couple of goblins through. And okay, let's say they don't have creatures and you don't want to go them. Instead, you get to do the the awesome red mechanic of exile the top card of that player's library until the end of turn, you may cast the card and spend mana of any color. Yeah. So basically he either starts riots or he loots yes. somebody else's stuff. It's it's just he also, such he has yeah. great flavor text. There's just enough room for a single line of flavor text. Do you want to read it? Yeah, you burn all pillage. So good. I- I know it was really good. So that's kind of the, the Grenzo that is, um, so that is the, what Grenzo kind of becomes when he loses his role as kind of the the job of the dungeon warden. Um, For the sake of the deck that I'm going to talk about today, we are going to be talking about Grenzo dungeon warden. Um, So Grenzo dungeon warden does not get flavor text, but uh, Grenzo dungeon warden is red, black and an X. Enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters. So um, you, you 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 can make this as big as you want. And there's some interesting gameplay mechanics that come in there that I'm going to get to in a moment. Uh, number And then his other ability is pay two, colorless, put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. If it's a creature with power less than or equal, put it on the battlefield. It has a very cool kind of random effect Mm-hmm. Of getting to just kind of start flipping cards from the bottom of your library. Yep. And for two mana. And, and a very see what happens. And it has a cool like Melthos thing to it too, where he's if there's a cool story and there's cool flavor and the mechanics kind of fit the story of it. Yeah. He's a dungeon warden. And I, I love the concept of you know flipping creatures off the flipping cards off the top, bottom of your, your library, being like he's just gonna open a random dungeon cell and see what yeah. he gets. That's exactly what it is. I mean, and that's what they kind of talk about, the key to every lock. And he's kind of known for just like uh, like releasing prisoners, mm-hmm. right? So well, and if, if he's got like, you know, his his network and, and things going on, that makes sense. He's just, yep, you got you got caught and arrested, but now I, you owe me a favor. Get back out there on the streets. Yes. And so 
Um, hilariously, and I'm going to call out some uh, people on Twitter that are that are not the best human beings in the world. Um, in particular, uh, we are going to um, give me one second. I want to make sure that we get the screen name right uh, because I, 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 they need to know that they're being kind of called out here. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> I'm saying this, setting up for the fact that there are some people like Anton at All Hail Bolas who have decks built around Grenzo that are not goblin decks, Alex. What? How could you do that? So they build this kind of a cool thing. And I believe Sheldon Mennery may also have a deck that is in this vein. And, and I'm sorry if I am wrong, Sheldon, uh, but I am fairly certain that I'm not just like besmirching your name uh, they basically find ways to make Grenzo's power high. Six is kind of the magic number I know for a lot of their decks. And then they just try to put big, beefy things into play. Which, I guess the rules of the game allow it. Mm-hmm. But Certainly. it feels not right. Certainly feels like a flavor fail, but you know, I'll leave that <laughs> to the flavor judges well, to decide. Well, to be fair, based on the flavor that you just gave us, that's fair. It, it doesn't does actually work. Okay, that's fair. It's maybe so, it's just the goblin, you know, angle yeah. for me that's making it hard to see. But we're blinded. Some might say, "Wow, I think I just I think I just admitted to this on 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 air that I am blinded by my love of Grenzo and his goblin ability that that flavorfully and for the conspiracy said it actually is kind of cool that you can find ways to make him beefier." Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can finish this episode. This is going to be very difficult for me. Uh, I'm kidding. So let's talk about my deck. Um, my deck is, I've actually had this deck built for quite a while. We, we gave a version away on the, the show. It was just try to flip your library on, get goblins into play. Uh, I wanted red black because I like graveyards and I like being able to refill my board if my goblins die so cool cards like patriarch's bidding where everybody at the table gets to bring back a creature of a given type well <laughs> all of my creatures are goblins so if they get killed in a massive board wipe we're bringing them back um living death effects plus there are just some there are actually some really cool fantastic black goblins and um Lately, uh, so I guess Modern Horizons 1 gave us certain things like Sling Gang Lieutenant, which is just, we thought, I thought Siege Gang Lieutenant was an amazing card. Sling Gang Lieutenant just blows it out of the water because it just flat out is, I mean, it, it costs less. It just lets you, it gives you a free sack outlet that you don't have to dump mana into and lets you turn all of your goblins into basically damage. Um, Mad Anti is one of our lords. So mad anti because we had the shadow more goblins. So we get uh, we had um, Bogart. So wart um, Bogart anti and mad anti. Uh, mad anti is a goblins get plus one plus one. So Lord effect, and you can also just tap to regenerate. So black actually opens up a lot, and that's the main reason when I was building the deck initially that I really wanted to be able to include black cards. And so when I looked through the options so there, there are not a lot um there's basically grenzo and there is wart i i unless i am missing something those are the two that i can remember the the only two black reds that i believe are legendary um wart's cool wart lets you every upkeep bring a goblin back from the like rescue a goblin from the graveyard to your hand uh but i just liked this mechanic with grenzo like you can drop grenzo at two most of the lords are two power so once a lord hits the graveyard and comes into play because it will be the same grenzo is now a three which means the next lord will be a two and be under and it'll keep you know so lords will let you start buffing grenzo for the few goblins that you may be wanting to put in that there are a couple that are above two power so i'm thinking you know like kiki i believe um so a uh, couple of things this was the deck Kind of like Alex said, this part of it doesn't sound like much of a story. However, during the pandemic and during kind of a lot of the stuff that we've talked about when it comes to story and it's come to our frustrations at times with how things have been handled, there's also been this kind of talking with your wallet. 
right? Like, how do I want to be an ethical consumer, I guess, or at least have an element of, of, of this? We talked about artist proofs and this, an artist proof is, um, so for those that don't know, uh, back when we had uh, Majin on the stream, we talked about a Kenrith deck that he had built um, one of the weeks when Alex wasn't able to join. I started to talk a little bit about this, but if you haven't heard, you could go back. We're going to recap a, a decent amount because an artist proof is a normal looking magic card on the front. Um, the front of it is just a normal magic card. The back of the magic card is blank. And by that, I mean, it is a white backed card. And one other, what addendum, which I may or may not be right. The rares and mythics, they don't have the little stamp, correct? So From since we moved to the hollow, yeah, for now that we're um, rares and mythics have kind of the hollow stamp in the bottom, they also do not have those. When that was something that I was not aware of. Um, they, uh, it, it's been, so what these have been, um, these were given to the artist and these were given to the artist actually starting with, um, I want to say revised um, because they actually went back and made even beta and alpha ones, but they weren't out until later. And they actually have square corners because they are made like the international edition or the collector's editions. So if people don't know, those were magic front with like different backing on them. That was basically all the cards from beta and alpha. You could use them in things like cube, uh, they were just made to kind of be like a non-tournament playable version of the early decks. Because of that, artists did actually get like there are black bordered Moxen and black bordered dual lands that have a blank white back. So these are given to artists in varying amounts. Um, typically, it's been like uh, I, 50 non-foils and 30 foils, I think, is typical. Uh they kind of it varies in different sets. There's been time over time uh, for, for like randomly legends and some of the ones that were in other languages got higher allocations. But basically they were a way for artists. Like the artists kind of asked for these very early on. They were things that they could give out or um, they could sign. And then the cool thing with the white back is they could actually draw or sketch on the back of them. So there was something for artists to be able to sell directly they were almost kind of like a thank you or an additional gift and now they're and, like huge and may, you can correct me if i'm wrong maybe but my my impression and this might come from working in the corporate world where we actually get proofs for this one of the things that we like we get proofs for our marketing materials is for people to look over them and say does this actually look good and now i suppose in this case the artist can't really do much about it but it can still be a way to say, hey, you sent us this piece of art. Here's what it actually looks like on a magic card. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like a way for them to be able to get it. Now, these often don't come out until it, it, the lag time on them is it can be five, six months after the set's oh, out. So oftentimes okay. they've actually seen all of that. Yeah, no. Okay. These are, they're proofs that. in a different way. In a different not, way. Okay, yeah. that, that makes mm -hmm. sense. So this kind of started um, – so Titus Slunter um, – had had sent me some proofs in the past uh, when I had gotten some art from him. Um, and then just, you know, uh, I, he sent me a package at one point and there were some, some proofs in there. So I, I'd had a couple in my collection, had never really looked into it, but I knew that there were artists that sold them. I'd seen them, at, you know, like I think of like RK post had his binders out and I, I didn't know what they were at the time, but now I know that they were artist proofs. And so they're a way that you can give money directly to the artist and a lot of times at conventions or just depending on time and i will say this is one of those things that this is a wild world once we get into this um it's it's it, yeah some artists are able to do sketches some just don't have the time to do it or the timing could mean that you're waiting six months but it's a way for you to get a card that has a sketch or a personal piece of art from the actual magic artist on it they're really cool i mean they they look amazing. And when we get, after we're done with this episode, I'm going to actually photograph because I haven't had a chance to do it for my whole time. What ended up happening was I decided that I wanted to, I had some extra funds. I had sold off some cards. I wanted to see ways that I could buy stuff from the artist. I don't need a lot of, you know, I don't have a lot of room for artwork or for, you know, um, prints 
or necessarily like I have a token collections and I will get those from artists, but I wanted another way. And one day I just had a wild hair and said, what if I tried to make an entire playable 100 card goblin deck that is nothing but artist proof? Every single deck or card in the deck is an artist proof. Um, this led to my kind of typical like reach out to Vorthos Mike and say, hey, so I did a Google search for an article and something you wrote in like 2014 showed up online <laughs> about how to get artist proofs. Um, the artist proof world is a wild world because some artists sell these on websites. Some artists just have an email address and you email them. Some artists don't sell them or they actually have a broker. Like they have an agent who you have to learn who represents what person. So with Mike and then the help of Donnie Kaltreiter, who's actually a hipster, um, hipsters of the coast writer, um, who's he kind of had saw me put out some feelers on Twitter, like, hey, how stupid is this project? And he said, you know, get me a list, get me, and I can start getting you started. Because what I learned was a lot of this information is is kind of it's 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 not easy to find. How I started was I did Scry Falls. I you know I started I built my deck. I already had the deck built from previously, and I started out with kind of like okay, I'm going to try to hit this deck as close as I can, and recognize that what I know of this world so far is some of the stuff might not be possible. Um, you know, I knew certain things that artists who had passed, for instance, as you and I kind of were talking at the beginning here. That that's going to be very difficult to find. Um, some of the older artists that maybe don't do magic art anymore, right? Like they're not. I, I, this literally started with kind of okay. Ask Donnie for help. Start googling artists and artist proofs with their name and find if there's some way. I mean, it really was a treasure hunt. And for doing a deck like this, it was kind of a cool experiment um yeah and especially as it, it, it sounds like literally every artist is a different journey to figuring out can you get them how do you get them Where yes do you get them? and and honestly too what's kind of cool about this is i got to have like interactions with with some of the writer or artists you know um, some of them really are just like you contact them directly they have like a price list but you know i got to you know one artist that i have coming from him and i just started talking about you know, life, right? I mean, this is, this is Anthony Waters is an older magic artist has not done a ton in a while. And, you know, he asked about the show and he actually wants to come on and talk about depression in the art community. Right. Because, and oh yeah, trust me. And him and I have been in email contact, but it's like, what I've also learned is, you know, these are cool projects, but these are working artists, many of whom are freelancers or whatever they're doing. So, I mean, the the lag to be able to get cards it's not you know it's it's one of these things that you don't really know when you're starting out how long cards are going to take and what's funny is i went through the weirdest thing where some cards that i thought were going to be there were cards i had on my list that's kind of like never going to happen right mm -hmm. just kind of like okay cool this is like okay goblin wizard so if people <laughs> don't know what goblin wizard does <laughs> goblin wizard is from the dark because it would be. Yeah, it which is, is by the way, well, that was what, 94? 95? Yeah, it is like 94. Early. It, it's yeah. 94. Mm -hmm. One of the first expansions of Magic, like number three or four in, in the in the very, very early days of Magic. And let's talk about an effect that goblins don't get. There's two <laughs> things going on here. First of all, you can pay red to give a goblin protection from white. <laughs> I just love it. Like, yeah. it's just so funny like it, it's just that's what it does the other ability is tap and put a goblin from play from your hand into play <laughs> yep just, just straight up yep just do it just do it just take a goblin and just put it into play um it 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 it, it does have summoning sickness unless you know for some other reason it is a one one for four it is a one one for four that if you hit off of grenzo <laughs> Just yes. literally is tap and put a goblin into play. Yep. But like you said, 94, the artist Daniel Gellin has not done uh he has not done art for magic in a very, very long time. He's done an amazing amount of goblins. 
So this was one of those ones that was just kind of like, oh my gosh, as I started doing my list, like I there's so many I want to have. He did Goblin Snowman. <laughs> I love Goblin Snowman. Uh, he did a, a version of um, Goblin Matron. He did one of the Goblin... Oh, uh, one of the Goblin Surgeons. He did one of the Goblin Surgeons. Uh, he did Goblin Mutant. Um, he just has done... He did Orcs, too. But he... he. I mean, I think literally when I looked... The, the, the one that I'm bombed in, so this is kind of looking at what they do and don't get, is uh, they the van, he did the Squee Vanguard card. <laughs> but <laughs> there was none... There was no hardest oh. proofs for Vanguard. He did strip mine and like, I mean, he did Wheel of Fortune. I mean, he did some huge art for early magic art. Uh, Candles of Lang was the last one that I think was new art. And that was Time Spiral. Mm. So, yeah. you know, when, when you're talking about these things, it, what's funny to think about, and this is one thing to keep in mind, these cards are rare, you know? Yeah. Goblin Wizard had 50 copies. I mean, these things are in some ways, I mean, once again, you can't use them in a constructed deck for a oh, tournament. For like, yeah, sanctioned. Uh, sanctioned tournament, if there's the word. <laughs> yeah, like there's the word right there. You cannot play this in a sanctioned deck. Okay. We're talking EDH. And what we've seen over the last year is people care a lot less about that, especially with the reserve list. Um, and that's just, that I think, the nature of being a casual format. So... Goblin Wizard, the market price on Goblin Wizard is $165. And I was seeking out something that is a one of 50. And I found one by literally just reaching out and talking to the artist directly. He flat out had, you know, because some of these things were these. What's funny is you hear stories about the fact that like artists used to sometimes just give these away. And I'm talking dual lands, like Rob Alexander giving out dual lands of these is just kind of a throw in if you bought prints or something or got signatures from him because they didn't, they weren't really seen because they weren't something that could be played in a tournament. Well, and well, some of the cards back then, just the, the prices on them weren't what they were. Well, they were right. In the early days, you know, the things just weren't as pricey for, for a number of reasons. The game wasn't yeah. really as big and the collectible market hadn't really become a for magic like there were other things that were collectible markets would happen where they'd boom and then bust but magic was a different thing and so what i learned by doing this was one of the biggest cool things and if you're really looking if you're somebody that wants to get kind of a tone of this world it is a very vorthos world and i think the vorthos world is what has made the artist uh, proof community become as good as it is in my experience and, and my experiences in getting help finding what I needed to find the discord is actually a very active discord and these the people that are in there are so passionate about art and about getting the opportunity to you know maybe I, I'm not going to be able to afford an original piece of magic art like I'm just you know like I, I like to watch the art marketplace group it was fun to bid on. So I bid on some sketches for our, our um, preview card. Those things, oh. even a sketch at this point is going to get up to potentially a thousand dollars. Right. I mean, but artist proof sometimes it, I mean, and this is what, you know, getting a sketch costs money, but this money is going to the artist directly. And so the people who are buying these, by and large, and once again, every community is a microcosm of every community. You're going to get people that maybe are trying to buy cards and then sell them or reflip them because, you know, oh, well, these have gone up. And I will say that just in the last couple of years, artist proofs have started to go up because they are just like everything else in magic. Yep. But there's still a lot of good value. And, you know, it is funny to just see where it is basic lands can be as much as like a rare because yeah th there's only you know because for the artist they only got 30 of them yeah, right well, and <laughs> that's the thing you're, you're talking about the rarity of these things the rarity's flipped on its head in in a lot of ways for how we mm -hmm. would think about the rarity of normal card like you're saying the basic lands are just as rare as everything else from yes. that set and like you need to have basics i mean yeah. like right like um yeah and there's just been uh I like cool stories. I just thinking of some of them, like 
Jeff Mengees happened to find an extra thawing glaciers recently. I, it, once again, Carza was just kind of like, wow, that'd be really cool to have something that old from Jeff, like a, an old magic artist. Like most of what I wanted was gone. Uh, I got one of the cast favorites. I got a Foglio Sulfurous Springs. Uh, that's I, because I so cool. randomly got Italian. Like not every time got different languages. So it's okay. like, there's all of this like just wild world to like learn about. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll say it, the very, very small, this is about, this episode's about your deck and this this cool story, but as someone who collects promos and has built decks out of promos, sometimes finding the land fixing is really good for your deck that's made out of weird things. Mm-hmm. Because just fixing, you're having a little bit of mana fixing. So yeah, that's Sulfur Springs and Foglio art. And Foglio oh, art. so cool. I mean, and like being like, you know, like I, yeah, I was, um, yeah, be trying to find stuff like, you know, like, I mean, it's not like I'm going to be finding a Badlands for this deck. But, uh, you know, one of the other cool things, and this is a random one, is, um, you know, thinking of the community and the magic community and just how, God, I don't know, like, I just, I have to think. And I, I, I purposely cannot thank everybody involved because some have asked not to be, <laughs> at least publicly. Uh, a Pete Venter's unglued token popped up with a Pete Venter sketch on it. So... The reason I bring this up is for years, tokens did not get, um, well, tokens weren't a thing and tokens didn't get artist proofs because they didn't have normal magic backs. When tokens became popular and really started hitting, tokens had advertisements. That's how wizards kind of really threw them into the game. Um, They basically had ads on the back of them for like FNM or for just whatever set was out. And so they didn't get artist proofs. So like I would contact people like we didn't get artist proofs for tokens. Well, an exception was unglued because unglued had tokens. They were the first time having tokens and it's not it. What is it? It's, it's weird. It's Pegasus sheep token, yes. zombie soldier, goblin, uh, that might be it. Oh, yeah. That was, I, I, like, I, I feel like I don't think there was a blue one. There was a Pegasus and a soldier, but I don't think. So anyway, those got tokens and they had a magic back. And so they, they made unglued and unhinged artist proofs. So the tokens got it. That one token showed up in an auction and went for 300 and something dollars. And I got outbid on it because it was more than I could. And I just kind of mentioned it as kind of like, you know, like, oh, yeah. Somebody literally was like, you know what? You should just ask the community like, hey, haha, does anybody want to give me some money towards this? And people did. So I have to say thank you to everybody because this like this project was really about me trying to get a deck that's playable, first of all. I, that's all I wanted. A hundred playable that I can now upgrade. But the interactions I've gotten to have with the community members, the interactions I've gotten to have with artists themselves. I mean, I love the art portion of the game. We, I mean, we know that like being able to, you know, have people like Titus that have been on the show, half Jeff Lobenstein. I have a bunch that he sent me and like, there was some that I wanted that he, he was kind of out of. So he just like, Oh no, I accidentally overpaid him, which I was fine with. And instead he just sent me more. I mean, it's just, that was actually how we talked to him to get him on the show. Some I had reached out to him about the Goblin Project and then about that. Um, you know, I, I have some coming um, from Germany from, uh, oh, my mind just like is completely leaving me at this time of night um, from Adam Paquette, who's been on the show. You know, it was ways that I was able to interact with these artists. And then also to me, I'm able to support them and I'm able to support them in a way that directly is not, you know, so this was the hard part, right? Like some cards I could only get through eBay. Some cards I got through people who had had them. Most of the ones I got were through artists and they let me get to communicate directly with the artist. They get, let me get to make those connections and I get to put money in the artist's pockets. And it's just a cool thing. Like I'm going to show photos of what some of this is. Like these are, these are fun that I can now pull this out in a game where people don't care. And like during the game, show off, art on the back of some of these cards um and the deck can win i will flat out tell you the deck can win um <laughs> the deck can theoretically win on like turn four just like my goblin deck i mean if it has the right start um it turns out that mana echoes 
is a fantastic card and I was able to find an original art one by Christopher Moeller. Um, so people don't know it's four mana. Whenever a creature comes into play, you add one colorless for each creature you control that shares a creature type with it. Uh, Grenzo's activation is colorless. <laughs> so every goblin that comes into play produces colorless. And then if you use that colorless to bring from the bottom, pretty soon a goblin coming into play nets you like five or six more activations. You can, I mean, so I played it on the charity stream that we did for May for uh, Suicide Awareness. I mean, sorry, for Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, and all of a sudden it was kind of like I was able to generate 10 mana and get a couple of goblins and each goblin was netting me another five to six activations and they keep growing. And I literally got to the point where we just turned my deck upside down and put all goblins into play that were in the library. So it can do that. <laughs> like I don't have a soul ring, but I do have like a mana vault. I got a mana vault. I randomly <laughs> was able to get a mana vault off. And what's, so what's wild is like some of this stuff, the price ranges are just, they range and, and they, they are going up just like anything. But, you know, I was able to get a mana vault for around the cost that I would get a mana vault and get it directly from the artist with a cool backing on it. And Mark Tedden's beautiful looking signature. Um, so, yeah, like I, I was able to. Yeah, I don't know. The, the whole thing was this. This deck was a project. It was a it, it was a puzzle. Yeah, and and not just a project you were working on yourself. It was a project of networking and working with the community and getting to talk to people you would never otherwise talk to. Yeah, like that I had a reason to, you know, like people that I might want to talk to that even if I just had a reason to just kind of, um, and there's artists that are in the Discord channel and that just hang out and you, you mm -hmm. get to see the love of artists for other artists. I mean, it's just been, it is that Melthos piece in some ways because... Well, I, the Melthos was the deck itself. I built yeah. it around Grenzo. The mechanics was way more important. The Vorthos element here is not just the story because we don't have a ton about Grenzo. No. Do, we, do I want more? Yes, I want a lot more. Grenzo is a badass-looking, gnarled, old, I don't know, gruff goblin who <laughs> wants to lead the revolution along with Kranko. I mean, get them together on Ravnica. One of them needs to, yeah, you know, like... We need this. We need Grenzo to spark, or somehow travel on Doretti's with Doretti, and just end up there because I want to get those two together. But this had the Vorthos element that really is about the art and the art community. You know, um, it's funny. I've even had discussions with with some people like Mike Lineman about like, hey, can I play these in Vintage Artist Constructed? <laughs> like, this feels like an area. It's, oh, it's supposed to be vintage man. playable. They're not good for sanction, but. Yeah. There, there is a format type that most of our listeners probably haven't heard of. So, just a very quick, it, it re, vintage artist constructed is basically what it sounds like. They're vintage legal decks. Well, for the format that where every single card, including your basic lands, have to be illustrated by the same artist. It's it, so this is a format made by you know the art community, the Forthos community, the flavor community. To really, in a lot of cases, to to really go in on an artist's whose whose style, whose art you really like. For for me, I like art and things, but honestly, I engage with it on a different level where it's a really interesting puzzle for me. So say it's a puzzle, right? Like yeah. th this is a, this is one of those. So like this is kind of one of those formats where you get really excited when artists are given new basics. Yeah, and because yeah, that can yeah. make a deck playable. Yeah, you get you get new artists who are making you know basic lands or basics that they didn't have before because you have like RK Post has only done what like a swamp, swamp and a mountain. And a mountain. It's very very and, difficult. And, so, and then, but then you also have this is the only format where the specific version of the card matters. So you get like me, who I like to collect promos. You get some very specific things, like I had a uh, Christopher Moeller, a red-white Christopher Moeller deck that I got to play um, a Johnny, I can't remember which is Johnny, oh, a three-man of the first Johnny, I think. A Johnny Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the white red one. It was mono-white, so maybe oh. it wasn't the first one. But, um, oh, sorry, it was Johnny Goldman. Uh, Johnny Goldman. I think it was a Johnny Goldman. But he did a, Christopher Moeller did a grant, it was, I think it was a Pro Tour 2011 promo 
or something of a Johnny Goldmane. And so I got to pick up that exact card, you know, to go into that deck because it's the only version of that that this artist did. So, so like, this is one of those things too, that, you know, when we're getting back to kind of the artist proof things, um, the secret layers are getting artist proof. So I have oh, an yeah. art, I, I, you know, so like this lets you support maybe some artists who don't always do magic, but like to give them a little bit of additional. So, um, I am waiting because he is so far backed up, but, um, uh, Mike Uziel did the full goblin set. Yeah. That has that comic booky goblin art style. He got artist proofs on them and I'm hoping to get them. I got, uh, Danny Pendergast arcane signets and I'm getting a, I, I got, I'm getting a Kaya, um, from one of the, the black is magic with mm-hmm. my two dogs on the back of it being, she's the ghost. So my two dogs. So like, and this is the other thing, people who are in this community have projects. Um, and this is why check out the discord and, and, if, if you want, feel free to message me if you're if you're at all interested in learning more about this. But you will get to see there's people that do Star Wars art on the back of every card. There are people that do Pokemon. There are people that do artist choices. Um, I had seen some people talk about it, and then now I have done this with some. I've gotten my pets. So I actually have gotten Duncan done on a couple of different cards. And I've gotten Bean done on some cards. So, you know there are ways to kind of get these, these honors and these, these things that are going to be mm-hmm. just beautiful and that are it, very personal. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a way there's, there's other ways in the magic community to, you know, to build, a, to personalize your deck more. But this one is, is a very specific way, especially with the blank backs that artists already have because they're at the artists. And so if that's a thing that this artist does that you want to do, you get the, the art on the back there. And it, that's, you know, that's kind of the point of this game. That's kind of how the, the kernel of how this game started was yeah. the, 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 the ability to customize your own experience, to build your own personality and choices into how you play and how you engage. And it's been kind of cool. Um, so like, uh, I, I will just say, it's kind of a spoiler. I, and I will say, I'm going to, uh, so as, as we posted Alex's Zada, I'm actually going to take photos because I hadn't upgraded the photo thing in a while, but um. Danny Pendergast on the back of Arcane Signet, because it's based on, you know, your your commander's color identity, did her interpretation on Grenzo. Oh, that's so cool. And then more cool for, you know, as I'm geeking out, looking at this as it's sitting next to me. And this is like the whole thing that's about it. Uh, when when cards get reprints, they do get new artist proofs. So I got a Grenzen. I already had a Grenzo Dungeon Warden, but I had forgotten at that point. I wasn't sure about sketches and all that because I was just... I had no clue where this project was going. Um, Grenzo was given the old border treatment in Time Spiral. So they actually, there is a, I was able to get a foil old border Grenzo and then get Grenzo art by Graciano on the back of it. (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm going to post kind of a, um, like I said, I will post the list of this. I'm going to take photos of it, but and this is also a desk that, that's growing. I have cards that um I, that I've gotten in the mail during the pandemic. I haven't had a chance to even put in. And as new cards come out, you know, it's like, gosh. And then I've actually, I started then moving beyond and saying like, you know, so this is kind of a funny one. I'm just going to throw out there. Harold McNeil, not a good person. Um, it, it, people don't know this. He is somebody that has strong ties to white supremacy. Um, did Sylvan Library. I had a lot of, Sylvan Libraries. Sylvan Library got a, a redo. And so I was like, you know what? A great way to do this would be to support the new artist um, and get that. Uh, so I just was like, I started going through decks and looking at cards I might not want in there for whatever reason and being like, you know what? I'm going to replace it with an artist proof because I play EDH. I don't care. Like if somebody cares about that, it's just not the style of magic I'm looking for. I'm, I'm you know, you can have to, baits about proxies and altars and or whatever but it's, to me it's like this is a magic card and it was given to the artist so i love that i can bring it into a game and honestly what's hilarious is if people don't know they're not actually gonna know because if you don't pull it out of the sleeve you're not going to be able to tell unless you have <laughs> very opaque or very clear sleeve you're not going to be able to tell it's not a real magic card yep so so that's my Grenzo deck. And it's just, it is a very interesting kind of 
dive into a separate oh, a community within a community. And I think that this is what we talk about a lot that we find within magic is these niches. And we talked about this before on the show. Like mm-hmm. for us, that is a lot of times what it's about, you know, yeah. whether it's the cosplay community or the artist proof yeah. community. And, and in a lot of ways we kind of have our, are that ourselves, like, um, you know, we, we have our foot in the, in the Vorthos community and, and we're considered a Vorthos cast by a, a lot of folk in that room. Cause we, we talk about that stuff. We touch on that stuff, but in a, but also we talk so much about mental health and things there that doesn't, there isn't anyone else who's really doing that thing in, in this community. And, and it was just something that you and I, we liked doing. I mean, even Joe back in the day, but then as after, even after he left, you and I really talked about what do we want to do with the cast? And this was the direction we went. And so it's really interesting, you know, and we want to talk about the community a lot. So as you say, it's, it's well, love finding, being able to... finding our other magic players who are willing to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. We love being able to highlight these other communities that either we are a part of because, you know, that's just a thing. People are one thing. People are mo- many things. And so we can identify, you know, as, as a Vorthos, we can identify with various types of formats and different things that we play, but, you know, even, as you mentioned earlier, we talked very briefly about the vintage artist constructed community. That's a whole other thing that you and I, and I'm not sure how deep you've gotten into it, but like I brushed the surface. I have some decks I played with a little bit, but that's not a, that's not a world I've gone deep in myself. No. And it's maybe that, and maybe that, maybe that's an episode. Maybe yeah. we, maybe it's a deck building challenge between the two of us. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just so that's why we love this game. That's why we love this community specifically. There's just so many ways for people to to engage with this. And there's so many great people and groups doing that. And we love to, when we get a chance to talk about them. So one element I forgot to kind of bring up or mention when Alex and I were recording and kind of adding this in towards the end of the episode for this reason is uh, it, it occurred to me, him and I were talking off air about kind of just there have been situations where artists have definitely been burned um, by the community. And I think that a lot of that comes from mainly people not approaching artists with kind of respect. And I think not recognizing that this is a person's livelihood and that this is, a, this is an add on feature. This is something that artists do because they, they, they enjoy doing it. They do not have to do it. Um, you know, and, and it's not always necessarily even the most cost-effective thing for them to do. Uh, you know, if you think about the deadlines and the commissions and all the other elements that go into it, this is really just such a great piece that they that, that a lot of artists do. And it used to be this was done a lot more at conventions or this was done at events where people were able to kind of, you know, you could you could go to their booth, they would get it done for you. You know, in the, the, the age of where we're at right now and the kind of the digital age, some artists, they very much use online stores you can kind of click you can get through there some artists are just they they communicate through email and direct communication and this means that it could take quite a while to be able to get responses and i've seen people kind of be rude and i've seen people you know talk about uh, just interactions with the artist that didn't go well and you know it, it kind of brings up the question as you look into it well you know, did they approach the person with respect? Did they approach the person in kind of a, you know, what was the understanding? And I will say that some of the things that's worked out the best for me is just keeping those lines of communication open with the artist. Um, I found many of them willing to say, you know what, right now I don't have time for these, but I might in a couple of months, please just email me back. And for the most part, they've been so gracious about me reaching back out. If it's been three weeks, it's been a month or, or two, you know, the, the, as long as you're approaching them with really that kindness and that the the recognition that this is their time, I, I have found it to be just a great relationship and a great way to build that within, you know, this is something that I just feel like we don't, I don't get in other elements of my life where I get to engage with the creators to this level and at this point. And that's why I just really wanted to add this in, you know, kind of after Alex and I talked and just kind of say like, hey, this is just a recognition to to be kind to be respectful um and yeah i mean that that's that's at the end of the day i really think that that is be important life lesson even if it's not just an artist proof kind of discussion and that's our show for today you can find the host on twitter hobbs can be found at hobbs and alex newman can be found at mel underscore send any questions comments thoughts hopes and dreams 
to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmoke, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.Bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Curse as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.